The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. All right. Well, let's have a look at uh, what's happening with Apple, uh, Apple as it uh, extends an agreement to get uh, modern uh, modem semiconductors from Qualcomm for three more years. Now, it's been taken as a sign that the company's efforts to design its chips in-house is taking rather longer than anticipated. Let's get details now from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. Bloomberg's reported that in-house, Apple has been working on its own modem along with its other proprietary silicon strategies. And the story here is that doing it yourself is difficult, particularly when you want your modem to be able to connect to the latest generation <coughs> network 5G, but also work across jurisdictions. Indeed, that was Ed Ludlow. Uh, tomorrow, we've got Apple unveiling its iPhone 15, as well as updated Apple Watches and AirPods. The iPhone maker counting on the products to help reverse a sales slide that has now lasted for three quarters. Well, the standoff between Disney and cable provider Charter Communications seems to be over. The companies were able to reach an agreement to carry Disney channels. This would include ABC and ESPN. Charter will also offer Disney's flagship streaming service at no additional cost to cable TV subscribers. Bloomberg's Gita Raghunathan says today's deal is a win-win for consumers and TV companies. We have 14.7 million charter subscribers who are affected by this blackout, so this is good news for them. But this really has huge implications for the rest of the pay TV companies, such as you know a Paramount, a Fox, a Warner Brothers Discovery, which are heavily reliant on you know pay tv revenues they're not as diversified as as a disney for instance which you know has a huge exposure to theme parks and studios and things like that so this would have had huge ramifications if indeed it had been a permanent blackout. That is Bloomberg's Gita Raghunathan. By the way, Charter Communications stopped carrying Disney content for more than a week because of this dispute over fees. Rashad all right, let's get to uh, a highly anticipated IPO where there seems to be unprecedented demand. And, of course, we're talking about uh, a British computer chip designer. Bloomberg's Tom Busby has the details. Arm Holdings' initial public stock offering is already oversubscribed by 10 times. And bankers say the SoftBank Group spin-off plans to stop taking orders by Tuesday afternoon, one day earlier than planned, even though Arm still plans to price those shares on Wednesday. After a drought of IPOs this year, the offering could actually end up as much as 15 times oversubscribed by Wednesday, those sources tell Bloomberg. I'm Tom Busby, Bloomberg Radio. Well, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, took aim at proposed higher capital requirements proposed by American regulators. Dimon said requiring U.S. banks to hold more capital than their international competitors is a huge negative over time. The Federal Reserve should have a little humility. They're the ones that told the world rates aren't going up. And by, it wasn't the Federal Reserve in general, it was each one of them independently. In fact, it was each central bank. 
So if I were them, I'd have a little more humility over stuff like this. Jamie Dimon there, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He went on to warn that higher capital requirements will make certain activities like mortgages and small business lending harder for banks. And he also questioned whether regulators learned the right lessons from the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic earlier this year. Rish. Okay, staying with banking, UBS cutting hundreds of wealth jobs in Asia as activity slows down. Let's get details now from Joanne Wong. UBS has reduced some overlapping roles in the past months, and further cuts are expected through November. The news comes as the bank responds to muted client activity and China's slowing economy. We're told jobs that will be eliminated include relationship managers in Hong Kong and Singapore. They also include the majority within teams newly acquired from Credit Suisse. But UBS plans to keep the majority of private bankers in Australia and India for now. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Radio. Well, it seems as though the Chinese economy may be stabilizing. We've got some uh, indications that may be happening when you look at credit creation and data on inflation. Both seem to be improving. Here's Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao. The strong credit data published Monday by China's central bank showed recent policy measures may be starting to lift household demand for mortgages. Corporate loans also picked up. The yuan gained after the central bank escalated its defense of the currency. Those add to the encouraging signs from the weekend. China's consumer prices returned to gains after its July drop, and factory gates deflation also narrowed. Now, economists say the key question is to what extent the economic momentum can be sustained. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al Bloomberg Radio. Well, today in the U.S., the market certainly kept a close eye on news regarding negotiations between the United Auto Workers and the big automakers. The Biden administration is deploying some top officials to help facilitate these talks. The UAW said it's ready to negotiate day and night with GM, Ford and Atlantis until a deal is reached by that deadline, which I believe is September 14th. Now, according to Anderson Economic Group over in Michigan, just 10 days of a strike would reduce U.S. GDP by 5.6 billion, and it would also likely push Michigan's economy into recession. It could also make some car models scarce and push prices up after they started coming down from those record levels. Daybreak Asia and an update on global news is next. State media North Korea is confirming the upcoming meeting between Kim Jong un and Vladimir Putin. We have Ed Baxter on Global News. Eddie. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Uh, They both uh, have things the other desperately needs. North Korea weaponry could allow Russia to prolong its Ukraine invasion, but there are questions about how much difference it'll make overall. First response from the U.S. State Department, Matthew Miller. Obviously, it means that he is having trouble sustaining the military effort, and so is looking for help. And Miller says, going on. Not only has he failed to achieve his goals on the battlefield, but you see him traveling across his own country, hat in hand, to beg Kim Jong-un for military assistance. And says sanctions on Russia are apparently working. I think the fact that Russia is having to beg North Korea for military support speaks to the effectiveness of our sanctions and our export controls, that they have been denied the technology they need and the, the, the raw materials they need to fund. Meeting expected in the next couple of days. Meanwhile, a senior NATO official, Annalena Baerbock, saying that Russia is likely to be able to mount a significant offensive operation this year is not going to be able because of a lack of munitions. FDA has approved the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines today as there is a tick up and late summer surge of the virus. Peter Marks of the FDA says the public can be assured that the update vaccines are safe. It should be noted these are not 
boosters. They are updated vaccines to protect against the new variants approved for ages 12 and up. CDC is supposed to meet tomorrow to issue guidance. Donald Trump has filed a motion to disqualify the judge in the federal election prosecution. Remembering 9-11, 22 years ago, an attack on America, New York City, the Pentagon, United Flight 93, President Biden returning from the G20 here with troops in Anchorage, Alaska. Never forget, we never forget, each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York, and I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. So many memories. Howard Lutnick, CEO of Cantor Fitzgerald, was on his way back to his office at the World Trade Center. Then the building collapsed. I ran for my life and uh, ended up, you know, diving under a car. And you've all seen that sort of tornado of black smoke while well, I was stuck in that black smoke. And then I wandered, uh, I wandered uptown until people were clean. When I called, you know, someone was on a payphone, and I went to the front of the line, and they looked at me like I was a ghost because I was just covered in soot, and I called my wife to tell her I was alive. Ludnick says Cantor has raised $380 million for families and survivors over the 22 years, and of course services today. New York City, the reading of names. Dr. Paul W. Ambrose. Specialist Craig S. Emmonson. United States Army. And in Washington, D.C., the chimes. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest now. Anthony Doyle is with us. He is head of investment strategy at Fire Trail Investments in uh, Sydney, joining us from our studios there. Anthony, thanks for being with us. I think we've got to begin with the, some of these sharp movements that we saw in the foreign exchange. I mean, a big drop in the dollar and, and a rally, not only in the Japanese currency, but the offshore Chinese currency as well. Have we reached a, a turning point, do you think, in, in, in the dollar story? It's probably far too early to say um, at this point. Obviously, one data point, one day's trading doesn't make a trend. Um, and with the continued expectation that the Fed is potentially going to land the US economy on the uh, soft landing airstrip, um, much will depend upon the CPI print, I think, that we're going to see on Wednesday and whether we start to see the bond market reprice in uh, expectations for further interest rate moves from the US Federal Reserve. So uh, obviously there is central bank action with the BOJ and um, China's central bank in terms of their own currencies in order to uh, support their own economies at this point in the cycle. But I think much will depend upon those interest rate expectations moving forward. They're, they're done, though, the Fed, aren't they, really, Anthony? 
In my expectation, I think that they are. Um, I think that uh, increasingly what we are seeing is the deceleration of that headline number uh, and core inflation expected to print at 0.2% on Wednesday. Um, So I think that the Fed um, is probably built up sufficient time now to wait and assess the incoming data. Um, But that said, uh, we are seeing uh, concerns around Uh, potential wage stickiness uh, arise, and that will be uh, a point of contention, I think, amongst the the Fed voters uh, in terms of where potential policy could move uh, over the course of the coming six to 12 months. Anthony, let's pivot to China next. Over the weekend, we had some uh, credit data for August, numbers better than expected. In the week ahead, we'll get data on industrial production retail sales, uh, among some other data points. And I'm wondering how you're feeling about the, the story on China's economy right now. Has a bottom been put in? Is, is that a bold statement? I mean, China is a concern for us. Uh, We currently have no direct exposure um, and it bears careful watching. Um, Again, it's very, very early days there uh, in terms of a potential bottoming out of this uh, cyclical downturn that we are experiencing. There are obviously concerns around um, the commercial property market. We are seeing a loosening of credit standards in order to support the Chinese economy, but this isn't simply a case of returning back to the infrastructure push that we saw post-GFC. There is obviously uh, deteriorating demographics, um, but what really concerns us is the the high level of youth unemployment. Um, Over 20 percent and the the Chinese authorities have now started to to stop printing those numbers on a regular basis. Um, So there is significant amount of um, deflationary forces that persist within the Chinese economy. They are starting to to resolve to some extent, um, but that infrastructure build has has, um, increased supply capacity significantly. Well, well, certainly. I mean, you can't go back to the same playbook as uh, to get yourself out of the hole that the Chinese economy finds itself in simply because of the uh, uh, the debt that the country is in. But I want to put it to you, you, you mentioned the cyclical downturn. Surely this is a structural downturn as uh, the uh, for the aforementioned reasons, as you said, demographics and youth unemployment and the like. Yeah, so I think the the days of those sort of uh, north of 5% growth rates um, that the Chinese authorities have, have targeted year after year, I mean, naturally, as an economy grows wealthier, as the citizens of that nation grows wealthier, it becomes much more difficult to generate those sorts of growth rates, particularly with declining demographics. You know, GDP growth is simply productivity growth and, and population growth. Um, and uh, certainly uh, post-COVID, it looks like this trend trend of deglobalization um, is continuing um, and the reshoring of supply chains by companies internationally is continuing. So China will no longer likely be the significant engine of growth that it has been, but still um, it is uh, obviously uh, one of the world's largest economies, if not the largest economy. And I think uh, when it comes to the the outlook for the Chinese economy, certainly the authorities there have shown uh, a willingness to support growth in order to drive higher socioeconomic uh, outcomes. Well, let's talk uh, in the remaining moments that we have about the third largest economy in the world, Japan, the Nikkei up this year by more than 24 percent. In about 30 seconds, Anthony, would you be exposed to Chinese equities at this point if you uh, don't currently have a position? 
So I have no exposure in China. I have no exposure to Japan. Um, it's not because um, we aren't looking for opportunities there, um, but we are scouring the marketplace to see if there are companies that um, can suit our investment philosophy of sustainable earnings and sustainable business models. So we haven't got there yet. Um, the yen has moved a long way. That's supported international investors um, and is likely to continue to do so. Um, so I would favor Japan over China at this point in the cycle. Anthony, thank you so much for making the trip into our studios in Sydney. Anthony Doyle, Head of Investment Strategy at Firetrail Investments, joining us here on the DBA. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.